Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you all to worship today. Thanks for being here. Pastor Andy's out of town doing another wedding, so you're stuck with me again today. Sorry. Uh, I want to thank the Lutheran Northwest Brass Band for joining us today, especially since last night was homecoming. So you've got to give these guys a special round of applause for getting up and getting in here today. So. We're trying something new. If you look in your announcements, you'll see a little corner that says, Did you know? And once a month, we're going to run this little section that says, Did you know? Stuff about Redeemer that you probably didn't know. For example, I have 14 doors to unlock and lock every Sunday. So just a fun little blurb in there, and then each month there'll be something different. Um, let's see. Wednesday worship, that's coming up on the 18th. Worship at noon, lunch, uh, worship at one, lunch at noon. It's going to be Oktoberfest. Um, Holy Land trip, it still has some openings. All Saints Day is coming up. It's November 5th. We have a list of the loved ones that we have on record to honor with the candle that comes in, but you may want to check that list in your announcements just to make sure we didn't miss anybody. And if you see that your loved one's not on that list, just give the office a call so we can make sure we get it added and corrected. Um, Chicks with Sticks meets Thursday, October 12th at 1. Shine the Light Night will be Sunday, October 29th from 3 to 5. Mug on the Run. This is the program. It's similar to our progressive dinner. Friday, October 27th at 6 o'clock. If you have any questions, please see Miss Kitty, and we thank her for organizing that. Um, October 15th, Enrichment Talk on Estate Planning. So check your announcements for that. October 12th, there's a free concert from 12 to 1 here by the Birmingham Musical, Musical. So I'm sure I have missed something, so please check your announcements. We have a lot going on. With that, we rise for our opening Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. 
be seated. We invite the children up. And that's your cue to skidoo. Good morning, everybody. Okay, I played an Oktoberfest last night, and I can do better than that. Let's try that again. Good morning, everybody. That's what I want to hear. I want to go to a church like that. So when you got up this morning, was it cold outside? Yeah. You know, what does that mean? The temperature's changing. We're turning into fall, right? Autumn is coming. And what happens in the fall? Got an idea? Go ahead. That's right. The trees change color. What else happens in the fall? Anybody been to a cider mill? Have apple? Yeah. Apples. People harvest apples in the fall. What else? Pumpkins come out in the fall, right? All kinds of stuff is harvested. Today, we're going to learn about vineyards. You know what a vineyard is? Basically, it's a farm where grapes are grown, and grapes are harvested in the fall. And we're going to learn all about, what's your question? Yeah, caramel apple? Those are good. Did it have peanuts on it? No? Okay. All right, let me get back to my story, and then you can tell me after church. So, uh, uh, where was, oh, yeah, so we're going to learn about grapes and vineyards. And the point is, God loves us so much. We are like his vineyard. We are his people, and he loves us so much. He sent Jesus to save us. He sent Jesus who died for us because he loves us so much. So that's what we have to remember. We're God's vineyard, and he loves us so much. He sent Jesus. So we're talking about grapes today, so everybody gets grape jelly. You all get a grape. Do you have any idea how many Coney Islands I had to go to to get enough of these? So, so I want to thank you for coming up. You may return to your... Where are they going to be, Nicole? Downstairs. Okay, if you want to pick up your kids, they're downstairs. So, oh. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem, the people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. 
I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. Here ends our Old Testament reading. Our epistle reading today is from Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here ends our epistle lesson.
We rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. Our Holy Gospel reading this morning is from Matthew 21, verses 33-39. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Here ends our Holy Gospel reading. We'll continue and confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sits on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and dead. Please be seated.
Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, some of you may know that last month in September I had to preach for Pastor Randy when he was out of town, and I completely forgot. So I was totally flat-footed when it was time to put a sermon together. So I only had a few days to put it together. I put it together. I received many compliments. I thank you very much for those compliments. But I don't like to roll that way. I, I like to have some time to put stuff together. So the following Monday after that sermon, it was September 18th, I immediately went to the lectern series, looked at the pericope, and found out what the readings were going to be for today. So I would preach on those. Well, I have to tell you, God was at work. Because you heard the readings, right? We heard the Old Testament was about a vineyard. The New Testament was about a vineyard. Guess where Pastor Randy was officiating at that wedding last month? A vineyard. A vineyard. And I thought, well, this can't be. You can't. That could not be a coincidence. But in case you do think it's a coincidence, last week my Mac told me I had to update. Okay, well, I pushed the buttons I'm supposed to push. And I was busy doing my work, and it restarted. And I looked over, and I had a brand new background photograph. Look at your bulletin cover. I had nothing to do with this. A vineyard. A vineyard. If that does not convince you that there's somebody higher up in control and has a sense of humor, I don't know what would. Because that was God tapping me on the shoulder and saying, Jimmy, I got this, I got everything small, and I got everything large. And I think people forget that. I think folks are so busy looking for this big picture, they're waiting to see the Red Sea part that they miss the little vineyards going on in their life. And that's too bad. But that also happens at the time of Jesus. Now, let's talk about those scripture readings. When Isaiah says he wants to sing about a vineyard, who's the vineyard? Well, we know it's the people of Israel he's talking about. Yes, there is some allegory in here, and we're going to work through it, and some is very obvious, some not so much. But we heard in verse 2 just how much care God was putting into that vineyard when he said, He dug it and cleaned it of stones and planted it with choice vines. Obviously, God wants a good vineyard. Now, some commentaries say it's not God, it's Christ, either one. But God put all this effort into building a perfect vineyard. And what happens? He says, he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes, bad fruit. So God did everything he could to provide the perfect environment for his chosen people, and the people failed to take advantage of it. They did not see what God was doing. A bit like the Garden of Eden. God created a perfect garden. What did the people do? They went ahead and messed that up as well. So, you know, in the Old Testament, God many times refers to the people of Israel as those stiff-necked people because they just don't follow him. You know, I like at the end of the Isaiah readings, Isaiah's done with any illusions or metaphors or subtlety. He wants them to get it and get it good, and he spells it out. Isaiah 5, I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds 
that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plantings. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed, for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. Yeah, he's going to show them. It's the grapes of wrath of the Old Testament God. Now, do you think God was frustrated with us? He set a path, and we refuse to take it. Sin just keeps getting in the way. You know, we've made the case that God paves the road for us to travel, and we just want to go off-roading. Huh, that's a pretty good analogy. I have to remember that. So God paves the road to righteousness, and our road to sin takes us off-roading. You know, there's a second Old Testament story about a vineyard from Psalm 80. In verse 8, it says, You brought a vine out of Egypt, you drove out the nations and planted it. Again, the people of Israel. It goes on, You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. A few verses down, then we hear, Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it, and all that move in the field feed on it. So again, we have the failure of the people of Israel to honor and obey God, and we hear the consequences of it, which are that the vineyard is pillaged. There's a second reason I use this Old Testament uh, Bible verse. My current class is Reformation history, and we were reading last week about Luther and the Reformation, obviously, and an interesting story came up. 1520, Pope Leo X issued a papal bull which is basically just a letter. And in it, the bull was titled Exure Domine, and it listed the 41 errors that Luther had made against the church. And they sent this to Luther. When he received a copy, he had 60 days to recant those 41 errors or else. Now, what's interesting is in that letter, they also accused Luther of being the wild boar in Psalm 80, that he's laying waste to the church, it's the vineyard. Now, I can guess if you asked Luther about that analogy, he would probably say, yeah, that's a good analogy except for one thing. I'm not the boar, the church is the boar laying waste to the vineyard. But I thought that would be nice to work in regarding the vineyard. Now, in our epistle, we hear about the straining toward the goal, eternal salvation. Paul is telling the Philippians that we can never obtain that goal by ourselves. We can't. We will always be straining. However, in Philippians 3:14 it says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And that's the key that we need to recognize. We cannot do it by ourselves. We cannot obtain that salvation by ourselves. We must call on Christ to help us. Just like seeing God and little things there. You've got to see that. And many times we miss it. And this ties nicely into the famous verse from Romans where Paul is struggling to do the right thing. From Romans 7, 15. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. And that's the important thing. I think it's hard, especially for Americans, to ask for help. 
We like to do things by ourselves. We like to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And asking for help sometimes seems like a weakness. You know, there's that old adage about men and stopping and asking for directions. I don't know if it's true or not, but I think we all know the stereotype. We don't like asking for help, but we have to. And that's what the epistles are saying. Not only can we not obtain salvation by ourselves, we have to and we should ask for help because Christ is the one who holds the key to our salvation. His sacrifice and death on the cross, his resurrection, that is what opened the door for us. Looking at our gospel, the parable of the tenants, or the farmers, which is also in Mark 12 and Luke 20, so it's in three of the gospels. One thing that was not exactly clear is who he was speaking to. So doing some research, I did come across a commentary who said this. Our Lord Jesus Christ always uses a vineyard for his imagery of the kingdom of God. It can only be because he was speaking before the chief priests and the elders of the people, and thus they can easily relate to a story about a man who owns a vineyard and the people that work there. And that actually does make sense because when you hear the end of the parable, it does kind of spell out who it is. So a lot of similarities in this parable. You had a vineyard, you had a watchtower, you had a fence, and you had a wine press. And again, there's some allegory here as well that we're going to talk about. Now the vineyard, again, is considered to represent the church, the people of Israel. The owner who rented it out is God. Um, renting out a vineyard at that time was not an uncommon practice. We think the tenants farmed it for about a year. That's when the season for fruit had drawn. <coughs> Excuse me. So God sends his servants to collect his share of the fruit. And in one commentary, it says, these doubtless represent the prophets sent to the Jewish people. And that makes sense as well, because when you look at the way the prophets were treated in the Old Testament, they were killed, they were stoned, they were beaten. Well, what happened to the servants? The exact same thing. They were killed, they were stoned, they were beaten. And then what does he do? He sends more servants. And the same thing happens to them. So then he sends his son. And they will respect my son, is what he says. Now, Mark does a much better job of making it very clear this is his one and only son. So I think we all know that represents Jesus. And we know what happens. They kill him. They kill him. This passage exhibits the love that God has for us by sending his only son to die for us and our salvation. And that's, this passage represents that. The parable is very cleverly written. Jesus is leading the listeners to draw an obvious conclusion. And he asked the listeners, gee, what do you think should be done to the, the farmers who rented the land? And they all say, in Mark 21, 41, they said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits of their season. The parable was designed that that was the only answer that you could provide. They should be condemned, the farmers. And Jesus wanted them to see they were part of the farmers who were renting and mismanaging that vineyard for God. And by not giving the owner his proper due would be justly condemned by God. You see, you can make the analogy again. 
The renters were the chief priests and the Pharisees, and the owner was God, and God was not happy about them mismanaging his people, and he went on to punish them. Then Jesus goes on to predict his future. Matthew 21, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scripture the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is a marvelous, it is marvelous in our eyes. Very powerful story. And we know it hit home because in the last two verses of Matthew, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parable, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. So the people, again, the leaders, the elders, they may not have realized Jesus was talking about them, but the Pharisees figured it out, and they didn't like it one bit. Now, I'm sure you find this all very interesting, but you're thinking, well, how does this apply to me? Now, I don't think anybody owned a vineyard. I, didn't, I don't think we have anybody who owns a vineyard. I do know some of you like your wine, but uh, no vineyard owners. Jesus said in the parable of the tenants that he's the cornerstone for those who believe, but could be a stumbling block for those who don't. In other words, you cannot be neutral towards Jesus. You are either on the road, he has paved for you in your salvation through his death and resurrection on the cross, or you're not. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We rise to sing the offertory.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you love us in so many ways. No matter what we are going through, you're right there with us. God knows our circumstances and our struggles. He knows all the different emotions that we're going through and all the thoughts that run through our head. Still, he loves us. Regardless of any doubts or fears that we have, his promise to never leave us or forsake us, even on days that are long and leave us feeling weary and empty, we know that he has not left us. On the days when circumstances have consumed us, he holds on to us. Today, we pray for those facing health concerns. Shirley LeBrenz, John Smith, Russ Swanson, Beth Greenwald, Aaron, Myrna Orva, Avon, Jan Hogan, Donna Hamsey, Sandra Duff, Tammy Bordeaux, Hans Maser, Nina and Jason, Brian Leahy, Tony Kernett, Pat Nels. We pray for those in hospice care, Linda Boyce and Etta Unruh. We pray for a young couple, hoping God will bless them with a child, for all those serving in the military, police and firefighters, for all world leaders to be receptive to godly counsel, for all those suffering from other health concerns and their caregivers, and we pray for all the victims of yesterday's terrorist attack in Israel. Prayers of thanksgiving today for Michael and Aaron Fink, who were united in marriage yesterday, and for all those celebrating birthdays and anniversaries. Our sanctuary lectern flowers placed by the Solstice family in loving memory of Jess, and our chapel altar flowers placed by Tom and Kathy Ely in celebration of their anniversary. All this we ask as you have taught us to pray. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant to you his peace. Mm -hmm.